Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today I want to share about how our faith in Christ should manifest itself in a life of good works. Yes, we've been made sons of God by grace, through faith, apart from any works. But having been made sons, we are not to sit back doing nothing, but we're to humble ourselves, we're to roll up our sleeves as it were, and also become servants of God, inspired by Christ's love for us and by his example. And that's what I want to share with you about the supreme example that Jesus gave us, that although he was the eternal son of God, out of love for his father and out of love for us, he laid aside his rights and his glory, and he humbled himself and became a servant of God and of us to do God's will. And that meant dying for us and washing us from our sins by his blood. And this supreme example should inspire us in the same way now to love God and to love one another. As John says, we love him because he first loved us. And beloved, if God so loved us in Christ, we also ought to love one another. His example should inspire us. As he said in Matthew, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be the first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, this is the example, did not come to be served, although he is the greatest, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And he suffered the ultimate humiliation to die and shed his blood to be our ransom. God's measure of greatness, you see, and his and strength is not how much we can lord it over others, but how much we pour ourselves out to help and bless others as his servants. And the great passage that gives the example of Jesus being this servant who humbles himself, uh, the servant king, is Philippians chapter 2. He says, let this mind, which means this attitude of humility, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it describes seven steps down as he humbled himself as a servant. Number one, though he was by very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He was willing to let go of his rights as God. And then number two, it says, he made himself of no reputation. Literally, he emptied himself of his divine glory, of his divine privileges and rights. He stripped himself, as it were, of his clothing of glory. And then thirdly, it says, taking the very nature of a servant. And he did this, actually, before the incarnation. He did this at the start of time. He dedicated himself to be a servant, to do God's will for our salvation. And then the fourth step down was that he was made in human likeness. You see, that was the incarnation, when he took on human flesh human nature. And then step five, being found in appearance as a man, he grew up, he became a man, and then he humbled himself in a life of service. And then seven, six, seven, sorry, the sixth step is, and became obedient unto death. That was his ultimate proof of his dedication to God's will. And then seven, not just any old death, even death on a cross, the lowest, the most a humiliating way to die. We are to have the same attitude of Jesus, the same spirit as Jesus, 
Although he was fully God, yet he humbled himself to serve God and man. And though, yes, we are sons of God, praise God, yet we are to humble ourselves and to serve others. We're to be inspired by his example and his love for us. And the reward for serving God is great because it goes on in an exaltation that is seven steps up. Verse 9, therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, in every realm, in other words, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus fulfilled his teaching, in other words, that he told us in Matthew 23, he said, he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. And we're going to go now to the greatest acted out visualization of what Jesus did for us, which was the foot washing in John 13. Jesus was actually acting out in this, all these seven stages of this great work of salvation described in Philippians 2, to show himself forth as an example for us. And I want to uh, take you now to a wood carving that I bought on a recent trip to Israel from the, in Bethlehem. There are many um, carvers in the olive wood. And uh, here is a picture of the Last Supper. And it's true to the Bible, because this is how they would be seated in a triclinium, and, which means th it's on three sides. And uh, there's a definite seating arrangement. This here is the host of the feast, which is Jesus. This is the head of the table here on the left-hand side. And then in order of descent, you go from the most important to the least important at this end. The host of the table sat here, and it, the two highest positions were on his left and on his right. Um, the highest position at his right hand was occupied by John. As, at Jesus' um, invitation, this is John, because we're told that John leant against Jesus' breast. At a triclinium, they wouldn't sit like we do at chairs, but they would have a kind of sofa, and they would be lying on their left-hand sides. They would be leaning on their sides. And so here we have John reclining, and he's in the position on Jesus' right, because he was leaning on Jesus' uh, chest. So, and then we also know from the story who was on Jesus' left. Now, the one on the left-hand side of the host is actually the special guest of honor. It might be someone from the outside that is the special guest. But either way, it's a very honored position. And it's interesting that we know that had to be Judas. Because when, it was, when he said, someone's going to betray me, then he was asked, who? And he said, the person who shares my, my dish. And that, so it had to be Judas. It had to be on the left-hand side here. Even to the end, Jesus reached out to Judas. And then... The others go down until the bottom position here. And guess who's in the bottom position? It's actually Peter. We know that because when there was this discussion over who would betray, Peter was the one in position to catch John's eye. And he said to John, John, ask him who, who it is. And so we know from that that Peter had to be at this position uh, to, 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 to call across. Um, and then... John asks Jesus, and Jesus tells John that it's actually Judas. 
And we might think, why is Peter at the bottom? Uh, We're actually told in Luke that actually as they come into the dinner, they are all competing with each other as to who is the greatest. Jesus tells them off about that. And it seems that Jesus gave Judas and John those top positions. What is Peter to do? Now, they, what was meant to happen is that they were meant to wash their feet before they come to supper. Now, normally the slave, a slave would do that. Or if not the slave, then it was the job of the um, lowest, the least among them. Well, uh, they were all rushing in. Nobody did the foot washing because they all wanted the best seats. And Peter thought, well, I don't got these two top seats. I remember what Jesus said. When you go to a feast, take the bottom place. And then the master of the feast will surely call you up higher. And he honestly thought Jesus would say to him, come on, Peter, you can't be in the bottom place. Come up higher. Come sit by me. And then when Jesus didn't do that, I think Peter was was probably sulking a, a little bit about that. So Peter finds himself in the bottom place and actually it was the role of the person in the bottom place to actually wash everyone's feet. But Peter, of course, is too upset to humble himself like that and and he didn't really think of himself as the least and he wasn't willing to humble himself and wash the feet. So there was a kind of elephant in the room that they weren't ready for supper. They weren't ready to eat because their feet weren't washed. Their feet were dirty from the dust of the streets. They were not ready to partake of the supper. And this is where we come into the story and Jesus, of course, gets up and he washes their feet from the most important down to the least. And the last person he washes the feet is Peter's feet. And you can imagine Peter's embarrassment because he was the one meant to do it. And now Jesus, the Lord of the feast, is now actually having to wash the feet and That's why Peter is feeling very convicted, and that's why he objects when Jesus comes to wash his feet. He's so embarrassed. And so we want to talk about the meaning of the foot washing now, because it's um, a wonderful picture of salvation. John chapter 13 says that before the feast of Passover, before food was served, when Jesus knew that his hour was come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, to the uttermost. It says, during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going from God to God. Now, this was setting the scene, you see. This is a picture of the first stage. You see, Jesus sitting at the head of the table is a picture of him sitting at the right hand of God. He's the Son of God. But out of love for us, It says he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew the plan of God for his life. He knew he would have to humble himself and wash us, as it were, from our sins before returning again to the Father. He knew what he had to do as the servant who dedicated himself to the will of God. God opened his ears and he knew God's will for his life. And he did it out of love for his own It was his love that caused him to humble himself, to wash us from our sins. He knew it all, and he was going from God, and he was going to God. And so what was going on here is, he's acting out the big picture. It's the Passover meal, you see. And at the Passover, he's going to give them the bread and the wine. He's going to give the zoom in 
on his death and resurrection. But in the foot washing beforehand, he's giving them the big picture. He's giving them the context of this situation. That here he was as the son of God, dressed in the robes of glory. And he is going to strip himself of that and humble himself to wash our feet. And then he's going to return again to God and to the head of the table at the end. He's acting out the whole picture of salvation. So first step was that though he was in the form of God, though he was God, he didn't grasp onto that. He was ready to give that up, to go down to us, to our level, to save us. And so the second step is in verse four. He arose from supper. He arose from the king's seat. And Jesus arose from the high place in heaven. He didn't hold on to that, but he arose. He left that place. Then it says, number three, he laid aside his garments. He took off, they dressed as kings. He took off his kingly garments of glory and majesty. And then it says, number four, he took a towel and girded himself. And the towel was the dress of a slave that a slave would use to wash the feet. And so Jesus took off his robes of majesty and he girded himself with a towel, with the nature of a servant. And that's what he did from the foundation of the world. He set himself apart to be a servant that would be obedient to death. And then fifthly, it says, he poured water into a bowl. And the clay vessel of the bowl is his human body, his human nature. And that's the water pouring into the bowl is a picture of him pouring his life. And it's this water that would cleanse them. And it's his life, the life in his blood, in his body, as it were, is what cleanses us. And he poured his life into a human body, into an earthen vessel. And that's a picture of when he took on himself human nature and becoming a man. And in number six, it says, and he began to wash his disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. You see, what was he doing now? He humbled himself even further because the feet were considered almost like a dirty word. You know, it was, it was not a job that anyone wanted to do because feet were kind of disgusting. And, and so to wash someone's feet was an act of real humility. And Jesus did that for us. He poured out his life. That, the, that life in that bowl was poured out now and used and applied to us to wash our feet. We were dirty in our sin. We were disgusting in our sin. And Jesus poured himself out and personally washed us from our sin, from that dirt. He used his life poured out to wash our feet unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his blood, Revelation says. Thank God for Jesus. And then it says in verse 12, after he washed their feet, he took his garments and sat down again. And after Jesus accomplished his work, he put back on his robes of glory and he ascended back to the highest place and sat down with his disciples. Now, his disciples, and this was the purpose of his work. He's giving the big picture. From the beginning of time, he set himself up as a servant and dedicated himself, and then he became a man, and then he humbled himself unto death. And then finally, 
he arises back to the head of the table and he puts on again his glorious robes and he sits down at the right hand of the Father. And that's the whole big scheme of salvation. Why did he do it? So his disciples now were worthy. They weren't worthy to eat at the table. But now they've been cleansed and now they're worthy to sit at the table with Jesus. He's made us worthy to sit and sup with him and, and enjoy eternal fellowship with him. That's why he did it. Praise God. And then he went on to reveal the Passover meal, the fulfillment, his body and his blood shown in the bread and the wine and the new covenant that was established through this wonderful work of salvation. And so in the foot washing, Jesus acted out all the major steps of his humbling himself to serve us and to save us, coming from God's throne, becoming a man, washing us from our sins, the returning to God. That's exactly, exactly as it's described in Philippians chapter 2. Again, let this mind, attitude, be in you, as was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the nature of God, he was sat at the highest place. He did not grasp equality with God. He didn't hold on to that, but he arose from the table. And he stripped himself, number three, of, he took off his garments, he took off his robes of majesty. He emptied himself of his glory. And fourthly, he took then on himself the nature of a servant. He put on the towel. And then it was, he was made in the likeness of men and found in fashion as a man. He poured that water into a clay vessel. And then it says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. That is, he poured that water out of the bowl now and washed their feet. And therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name above every name. After he'd done what he had to do, praise God, God exalted him to the highest place. He received back the glory that he had from the foundation of the world and sat down at the right hand of majesty. And Philippians goes on to say, therefore, in how should we respond to this, my beloved? As you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God, it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He says, now you've received salvation from God. He's worked in you now the spirit of Christ, the spirit of humility. You are to work out your salvation in the same spirit of Jesus in terms of loving and serving and humbling yourself. Uh, just like Jesus did. He says you're to work out that life that you now have received. Inspired by the example of Jesus. Obey him in that example. As as he washed their feet, Jesus actually taught them a le this lesson in Luke. Chapter 22, it says, Now there was a dispute among them as to who should be considered the greatest. That's how they came into the room. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. Be not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet, I am among you as the one who serves. He says, I'm sitting at the head of the table, but I am also the one who serves you in washing your feet. 
And Jesus drew this lesson also in John 13. Having done this foot washing, having acted out this drama of salvation, and how much he humbled himself out of love for them, you know, now he challenges them. He challenges us to do the same, to move in the same spirit, to clothe ourselves with humility and do good works that lift others up. Let's read that. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? Do you understand the significance? You call me teacher and Lord. Well, if I'm your Lord, then I want you to follow my teaching. What am I teaching you in this situation? I want you to do as I have done in your life. And you say, well, for so I am your teacher and Lord. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, I've set the example, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What a great saying that is. Again, you see that the blessing is only released when we put our faith in action. See, when, if you know these things through hearing the word of God, you're blessed, but you're only really blessed, blessed are you if you do them. It's when you put the word into action, when you put your faith into action, that the blessing is released. You don't just bless others, you bless yourself. He says, do this as I have done it, so you do the same. You see, Christ ministers to the lowest. However low you are, Jesus was there, and lower to lift you up. He was the greatest, but he went to wash the lowest. But this was too much for Peter. Should the king wash the slave? Peter knew that he should have offered to wash Jesus' feet, but he, his pride didn't allow him. So Peter said, Lord, do you wash my feet? It seems wrong. We should be the ones washing the Lord's feet. But the reality of salvation is that first we must let him wash our feet. We must first receive salvation as a free gift or we can have no place with him. That's what he said in verse 8. Peter said to him, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. You see, it's only when we've received his love and his grace. Only then can we pour it back on him and to love him and serve him. We, become, we have to become God's son by grace. We have to receive his love. But then in a response, it's us, we must choose to become the servant, his servant also. And Jesus' love is wonderful here. It has no limit. It's a love that sees it through to the end, that goes all the way, that humbles himself to the lowest place to lift us up. Though he was the king of glory, he took on the clothing of a servant to wash their feet. Even Judas's feet, who was going to betray him. Even Peter's feet, who was going to deny him. Such love and humility he demonstrated by going to the cross to wash us from our sins. You know, you, you, knowing that you're a son of God is wonderful. And you have rights as the son of God, as a son of God. But we are not to hold on to our rights, but we are like Jesus, to be ready to humble ourselves and become a servant, voluntarily sacrificing our comforts and our rights to lift others up. This is the example of Jesus to follow of humble, loving service to others. 
Jesus was teaching the principle of humility. God measures greatness by how low you will go to serve. You know, if you're insecure, if you need to put yourself above others, you're small in God's sight. But if you humble yourself and put others above you to lift them up, then you're great. That's what Jesus did in his death. And he is set forth as our example. Have this attitude, which was also in Christ Jesus. And if we believe in Christ as both our Savior and our Lord, that means because he saved us, we should be inspired by his love for us to, to do what he wants. Because he's also our Lord. And we should be inspired by his love then to follow his example because he's our Lord. And to obey his command because we believe in him as our Lord. To be a humble servant of God. Laying down our life to serve God and serve others. And so he's your savior. He did this for you. He loved you. So you should want to do the same. And he's your Lord. He tells you to do that. He set the example for you. Go and do it likewise. And he promises, blessed you will be as you do that. As you lay your own life down, you'll pick up a higher life. So let us have the mind of Christ and humble ourselves before God to be his love servant so that by faith then we will produce a life of good works that glorify God. He has demonstrated his love for you. He's loved you. And therefore, let us love one another. Let us love God with our whole life. And he is our Lord. And therefore, we must follow his example and his command. And as we respond in faith to his lordship and his loving salvation, praise God, we will produce good works in our life. I hope that's challenged you today to, in the humility of Jesus. Amen.